0: Hebrews chapter 3. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Uh, dear the Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for uh, continuing uh, to, to provide us this, this faith in Jesus Christ, the one who was sent uh, to be the greater Moses, uh, to be the once and for all mediator uh, between God and man. We thank you, O Lord, uh, that we are here as your children reconciled into your name. Bless us in our study this day and lead us always in your promise. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so today, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, Jesus is greater, Jesus greater than Moses. Uh, why don't we just kick in here uh, as we uh, continue. Last week, remember, we talked about the founder of salvation. Remember, the context of the book of Hebrews is all about the Jewish Christians who uh, were tempted to turn away from what they uh, what they believed in Jesus Christ. But now, you know, as time passes, we always go back to the parable of the sower, and as time passes, as things uh, come up, uh, like trials, temptations, persecutions, all these things, uh, there was definitely a struggle uh, for the Hebrews uh, as they were staying in the faith. And, And here the writer is really pointing them back to who they are. Now, why is that? Why is this Hebrew letter that we've studied so far, why is that applicable to each and every one of us in light of the context of then and now? In that journey or in that walk of faith, why is the writer, as he's going time and time again back to Jesus and who he is for us, why is that so important for us uh, Israelites in the sense of our wilderness journey? Why is that important that we see this dynamic of always going back To Christ, why is that so important to us? Anyone have a? Well, because we're we're so constantly distracted by the the culture we live in. That's right. Are we? I mean, you say distracted, but. Well, you're you're bombarded and surrounded by a culture that is obviously very anti-Christian. Yeah, but I mean, I guess my point is bombarded or distracted is um, do we, you know, as you walk in this life, sometimes after a while when you become indifferent in the faith or you get tempted by all these things, it's no longer a bombardment or a distraction. It actually becomes just <laughs> the day-to-day, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. And, and soon enough, we're, already, we're turning to it. Right? And I think for the Hebrews, it's the same thing. It's like, as you walk in this faith, uh, we might, at the initial onset, see the bombardment and distraction, but then and as... Desensitized. Desensitized is a good word, right? Um, and even more detrimental is desensitized from uh, the Word of God and, and the reality of our sin, and apathy takes hold, and we turn, Right. And this is what uh, this is uh, so important as we look at uh, this book uh, to know that we go through what they go through, and we have the same answer that the Hebrew writer is giving them, and how this speaks to us as well. So, uh, in that in mind, uh, Hebrews three. So we could read uh, verse one for me. Verse one. Therefore, <clears throat> holy brothers, share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts. Okay, so, so, therefore, holy brothers, therefore, what does therefore always mark in, a, in, in the Bible in any grammatical uh, shift? Is based on what I just told you, right? So we see in chapter 2, based on what I just told you about who the founder of salvation is in Jesus Christ, uh, you who share in the heavenly calling, right? Uh, holy brothers, why is that important? Holy brothers, why is that so important in that address? Uh, kind of like the blessed ones or the beloved ones. You um, who have been called. Yeah, that have been called holy, right? And that holiness is Tom. Me? Yeah, that's you. You're holy, right? <laughs> right? Just, just accept it. <laughs> uh, because. Uh, Indeed, you share in that calling of Christ and what he has done for you. And as you'll hear this morning in the second service, uh, Jesus is your guarantee. And um, there's not too many guarantees in this world that are eternally secure, but only Christ. Well, There's not any, not too many, but not any guarantee but Christ. But here we see, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle. Now, why is the apostle from the Greek apostolos, which means literally the sent one, right? So Jesus, the sent one and high priest of our confession. Now why, again, Hebrews, Jewish Christians, they would always revert back to the Old Testament priest uh, who would pray, who would uh, uh, give the sacrifice, uh, the atoning for their sins. Again, the great disconnect uh, for non-believers uh, of the time was that is the way we are saved. When in fact, all these priests, and we'll talk about it again this morning because we're preaching through Hebrews, that's right. Uh, it is all pointing to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. Does that make sense? They're all, they're, it's not a disconnect. It's all an anticipation towards the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ himself, the true high priest. All the other Old Testament priests, they would die because death is part of this life. But Jesus has no successor because he is the true high priest. He is eternal. And his resurrection proves that he defeats not only the devil and forgives us of our sins, but he gives us life as he is also uh, the forever one. So, again, this is our, and Don read it, this is what we confess, right? So, uh, again, another important thing, uh, that which we believe, that's in the same way that is what we confess, right? We, we confess what we believe, right? And here we see that confession of Apostle of high priest, even confessing that you are holy, right? Uh, because holy is Jesus who covers you by his blood. So again, confession is very important because uh, we are our confession. Like that is what identifies us. Does that make sense? Uh, that's why our, the confession of the church is very important. Because we're not just a godly group of people that get together, even Dave. Uh, together with us. Uh, but we're, we're all united by that same confession. That's why we teach. That's why we preach. And, and that's why we are in study today. To be in oneness of that confession. And that is of the Christ. Very important. For example, if Dave, uh, if Dave not if, Dave believes in Jesus. And let's say I believe in, in Buddha, let's say, hypothetically. Um, and we go to the same church. I mean, is that viable? And and I know that's more radical than, let's say, nuances of each denomination, but uh, our unity is not because we just get along or we just go to the same building every week. Our unity is in the Word of God. And I know, um, uh, like when faith had their, I know it's been a while, when you had your vacancy, right? Uh, Your unity wasn't the pastor. Your unity was... The word. That's why you stick together. Even COVID, right? I mean, it really does bring out our true colors, but at the end of the day, our unity is, is the word of God. That's why we're here, right? So, um, oh, Carrie's coming. All right. Don't act like you know she's coming, but <laughs> she is. <laughs> Let's play a joke on her. And you know, like Carrie, you know, she. Uh, <laughs> We were just talking about you. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. We weren't. But but, uh, um, (laughs) I know when I was in in school, I would be always that child running out of breath right into the door as the bell rang. (laughs) One more time. Great. So, uh, but yeah, consider Jesus, right? Uh, And we see on our notes here, um, as I never follow them. Uh, Apostle, um, uh, the Christ, the atoning sacrifice, the high priest, greater than Moses, um, again, um, who was never called the high priest, but which was an important focus as, you know, many were tempted to forsake Jesus for Moses. You know, this is kind of the the thing um, for a different confession. Again, that's the dis- Moses was always pointing to Christ. It's the fulfillment. But yet, this is the disconnect that we see uh, with uh, Judaism and, and Christianity and following Moses or Jesus as if they're separate or different, like they're in, on totally different planets, right? Uh, but our confession, again, rooted in the foundation of Christ, um, in, the, in the true high priest who cleanses our sin by his very blood. All right, uh, verse 2, so I could read that. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. All right. So, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful. So, so here, what, what is, um, you know, when we talk about Moses, uh, you look at your notes. Uh, the writer doesn't, what does he not do here? Yeah you know, I just told you Jesus is greater than Moses, right? It's a fulfillment of what is to come. Uh, why doesn't the writer just say, "Jesus is better than Moses, so you shouldn't <laughs> I mean why doesn't he like right here, he doesn't just go out with the sword and just say, "Look, right? He actually kind of tries to do what with them? without <laughs> <laughs> without Yes. Um, well, and again, Moses is their heritage. So if, if you're going to destroy Moses, then you're attacking the people and they're certainly not going to be listening to what you have to say. Yes, good. And um, and the, the writer is, you know, when, when we're saying choose, Moses or Jesus, what are we saying when we say choose? The red jelly bean or the... Or the, the white jelly, the white jelly bean's tough. Because it could be popcorn, which I yeah. mm, No way, or garlic, you know, ooh. Garlic. garlic, is that, maybe in Gilroy, I'm not sure. But, <laughs> uh, uh, garlic ice cream, anyway, I love garlic, by the way, Ooh, love garlic. you be Korean and not go for <laughs> <sighs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, oh, I could eat garlic raw. Anyways, um. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could, uh, but uh, the point is, uh, what we're saying? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Garlic. Uh, choosing. Why is choosing? What does that mean? When we choose something, that means if we choose one, then what does it mean about the other? Not as good. It's it's not as good. We don't, like it. nice. we don't like it as much, but almost it serves as like a. Yeah, it's... It's, it's it, it an exclusive choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an engineer answer right there. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> oh, yeah, my hackles would go up if you, if you right off the bat said to, <clears throat> if you were eliminating the one who, who we had been looking toward as our leader primarily. Eliminating is <laughs> a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, When we talk about uh, that whole that whole choice, it's it. It's almost it's almost like that elimination, right? And and again, what? Why don't we eliminate Moses? Why don't we? Why is it important that we don't eliminate Moses when we talk about the scriptures and and everything? Why is is Moses just like out of the narrative? But, um, you know, he was God's representative to the people at that point in time. Well, if they had really read the Old Testament, they would understand that Moses was pointing to the Christ. So that's why there's no... They cannot. He cannot. He's got to keep Moses in there because Moses is pointing ahead. That's right. Exactly. And Nancy, good too. Just that whole... It's not this. It's, it's together, right? It's pointing to... I haven't written on the whiteboard yet, Jeff. Is that a record? 20 minutes? LAUGHTER um, <laughs> Um, but uh, th- this is uh, this is this is how, and a lot of people would say Jesus as the new Moses. So a lot you would hear people saying Jesus as the new Moses, greater Moses. Uh, but the fulfillment is Christ. It's all pointing to. So when it's not a disconnect uh, from Moses to Jesus, but rather it is a pointing to what is to come in Christ Jesus, and this is what. He is trying to do, the reader is, or the writer is, uh, not pinning against one another, but rather uh, showing that uh, Moses was there as the precursor, or as the sneak preview to uh, what Jesus is as the true mediator of God. Uh, and uh, when we talk about Moses or even uh, uh, the, the high priests, we know that this is all connected. So for the Jewish Christian, it is, not, it is not compartmentalized where we have Moses and Jesus, but rather this is all together in the narrative of God's promise, the fulfillment that is Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world. As, um, as we look at Moses, we know what he had done in the Exodus, uh, saving the people by the very word of God, by the direction of God, uh, through the slavery and through the promised land. Uh, well, on the way to the promised land, of course, but... Uh, that he served as that mediator, but now Jesus truly does give the promised land once and for all, and, and that is salvation uh that is our heavenly home, that is uh what is to come in his return and, and this is who our lord is but it's it 's all together so he 's not trying to say pick one uh, but rather this is this is this is all part of the story and promise of God right so that 's why uh it 's like when someone says you shouldn't read the Old Testament anymore. There's no Jesus in there. Well, eh, you know, we can't pin each book against each other, right? They're they're all they're all together. It's all pointing to Christ. All scripture is Jesus. Uh and, and that's why it's so important that we uh read both uh both old and new uh testament, right? Very important. Um okay. So uh right here uh just as, um, as we look at our notes, uh, just as Moses also was faithful in God's house, again, uh, Moses uh, was faithful. Um, um, and that, um, again, uh, with Moses and Aaron, again, the younger brother, uh, being faithful in God's house to be called, this was, uh, this was a calling from God. And though Aaron um, was probably kind of aghast at that, um, this is all God's promise and will and work, and this was the plan of God, and thus it was fulfilled, right? Uh, because this is what Moses was called to do. And, uh, again, pointing to Jesus and what he had come to do once and for all. Okay, uh, verse 3. Verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. All right. All right. So, so what is happening here, you know, when we talk about Moses, uh, we know uh, the stories, right? Um, the burning bush, uh, even uh, with God, his face was shining. I mean, we see the glory of God upon Moses, right? Uh, we see that, and we should use this as a chart. That's good. Um, but here we see the glory of God on Moses in the burning bush. We see... Uh, what, what else we see with the glory of God? We see um, uh, the shining face um, of Moses uh, in that radiance of God. Uh, we see Jesus as the radiance of God in chapter 1. We see Jesus at the transfiguration. Uh, you know, his, his uh, literally metamorphosizing in front of them. Um, and we see him glowing. Uh, we see Jesus as the light of the world. Again, we see the I am he, right? Um, and again, we see the the connection here of God's glory, right? And Jesus's glory is greater in a sense where it's all a fulfillment again. Um, not that we don't, uh, not to just negate Moses and what he had done, but rather, put them together in a sense of what this is, um, what this anticipation was all about. So, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself for everyone, verse 4, is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So, again, um, you know, we see later in uh, chapter 3, where uh, Moses is a servant or in the house of God, and Jesus is described as someone who is over the house of God, right? So again, we're not talking about two different houses, but one house where where the servant Moses was working in that house, in the same house, but the overseer of that house is God, and that is in Christ Jesus, right? So he's not telling the Hebrews to just... Not remember Moses anymore, but rather that again, this is all working towards the Builder of all things, and that is our Lord, right? Um, very important to see that for them, because trust me, um, if you were in those, if you were in their shoes, how easy it would be to see it differently—not a connection, but rather rather a disconnect, a, a choose one or pick one, right? Um, again, so what does it mean that he is in the house? In la casa, right? Abe's studying Spanish. Like, Dad, can you correct my Spanish homework? I'm like, I'd love to. Anyways, um, but it's getting harder now where I'm like, okay, wait. Adjective. All right. Oh, no. Anyways, but I'm like, let me get out my books. And, uh, but in the house or over the house. And um, when we say over the house, and I know uh, uh, we see right here in verse, uh, what is it? In verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Again, builder of all things, in the house, over the house. What does that mean? That um, uh, Jesus or the Lord is the builder of all things. What is the difference between Moses in the house versus God as the builder of all things? What is the difference Yeah, yeah. So Moses uh, was a servant of God, right? Who would do all these things within, within the house of God, right? But then there is Christ who is over by his blood, the heir of all things, but the creator of all things. And there we would see how they, in a sense, are together, in a sense, where the anticipation rather than Moses working out next door neighbor, you know, <laughs> acreages is away. I don't know if you've ever been in the Midwest, but um, the, the Midwest church in the farm areas, I remember we went there in Fort Wayne. We'd have to drive like an hour out and one house every five minutes of driving, 10 minutes of driving. And it was a different experience when it comes to Midwest farm churches. But uh, amazing it was uh, to, do, to go to. <laughs> but, but the point is is that Moses wasn't out on the, on, the other, on the other house. He was actually within that house. And he was working, all pointing To Jesus, that's what his work was all about. So, for the Hebrews to connect the dots, to connect the dots, just like in school, right? You connect the dots, and there you see how everything works together. Just like the genealogy of Christ, you you look at Matthew one, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like God did all that, right? (laughs) Like He knew the omniscient One knew all the steps, all the lines to which would lead to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And likewise, here we see in Moses, in the house, working in the glory of God. He, had, he was shown that glory. But yet, the, the greater glory is Jesus, uh, who came into the world um, as our true uh, prophet, priest, and king. So, anyways, continuing on here. Verse 5, back page. Back page, just so someone could... Uh, On your notes, and also if someone could read that for me. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. Oh, sorry, one more? (laughs) But Christ is faithful as son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. All right. So again, as we kind of further go into this dynamic of house, uh, now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to what? To things that were to be spoken later, right? So, um, you know, you see your notes here. uh, You know, a servant performs the duty to its employer, whereas... The slave is at the will of the master. Now, why do I put that in our notes? Interesting question. Uh, (laughs) No, I know why. I remember this. Um, uh, Again, servant is uh, kind of like an attendant, uh, someone who is just kind of getting the job done uh, by the boss, right? Servant of the house. And, And there's not a word of doulos in here, but rather... Uh, this word servant and that word servant saying Moses is like a servant. He's just doing what the boss says. Like you have a boss, right? Um, You don't know the boss's will. You're not like totally in line with, I mean you don't know his mind or her mind. You you don't know exactly what they're going to do or what they want to achieve. Uh, And and that's in a sense Moses. uh, He was a, a mediator of God but yet uh, he was still a man. He was still sinful, as we talked about earlier. Uh, he wasn't God, right? So in a sense, he was uh, merely a servant. Uh, but what about a slave? What You know, when we talk about slave, uh, the doulos, Jesus as slave of God, uh, this is being um, uh, literally... One in line with the will of the master. Make sense? That I and the Father are one. Not just boss employee. Does that make... Like boss employee is like, okay, you got to get your reports in, get it done. Jesus and God, one. Will of God is one. So when we talk about Moses and Jesus, uh, faithful uh, prophet he was, faithful man he was, but yet this would all lead to the one uh, who, again, I, the Father, are one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that there was that one God, three persons, in that very will to fulfill what was greater than Moses, right? So it, it really goes back to in the house and over the house, right? Uh, like the, you know, even, actually, that's not good example, but uh, again, this is same house, just different, what's the word, different, Dynamic, uh, and not goal, because they're all working towards their anticipation, but they're all working it together, right? And that fulfillment is Jesus. Uh, okay. Pastor? Yes? Jesus as slave to slave? God? And yeah, yeah that troubles me. If slave implies against your will, like, like it can be against your will. Slaves have no will. Right? right, you never tolerate an unfree <clears throat> man in your presence because slaves have a contaminated mindset, and that contaminated mindset can poison your environment. So, no slave, what, what, what's not a slave. So Jesus is not a slave to God. Is that what you're saying, or Jesus is an extension is slave of God? Well, again, if you look at Mark ten forty four here, uh, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. All right. So this is this is Jesus. Uh, and that is uh, that is what he does. He is one with the master. He is following the master to the T, uh, because this is all he lives for is for uh, the father's will, and that is to die upon the cross. But that is his will as well. Yeah, they're in that oneness, right? So the master and slave they're they're in that picture of oneness in a sense where uh, I know I know when we think of slave. When we think of slave, it's not, it's not the slavery that we think of. It's, it's a different mindset of being the slave of all. Now, the question is, can we be the slave of all? And the answer is no. It's only Jesus who is, uh, who is the slave of all because he is the one who died on the cross for our sins, right? So I know that, that slave word uh, can be really... It can bring a lot of different words in your mind, uh, but when we talk about the, the true one who freed us from slavery is Jesus who, uh, who was at one with the will of God, and that is... Does the Bible refer to, to Jesus as slave? Yeah, I mean, again, Mark ten forty four. Um, whoever be first among you must be the slave of all, right? Oh. oh, you got the, oh, here. I don't know, here's a new one for you. Oh, it's just revised. Oh. But this is, um, and, and this is, again, um, you know, um, this is a picture of the fulfillment of our Lord as he is the only one who could do such things, right? Uh, and that is our Lord in his great humiliation would come uh, uh, to serve as a ransom for many. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I want you to be clear on that because I think um, for everyone, I know we've all had jobs in this life. Being an employer of a boss is we just get the job done, right? Done. We just kind of get the goals done. But we're not at the we're not at the one will of the, we're not at the one will of the boss. We don't know exactly as human beings. Um, that full connection, in a sense, but with Jesus, that was his life—to um, be uh, the the slave of all, and that is to die for the sins of the world uh, at the will of the Father. So, um, verse six. If so, we could read that. Verse six. Uh, Nancy read it. Sorry. She did. <laughs> all right. So the Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, right? Over signals the authority of the Son of God, but again, going back to the Old Testament tabernacle, it foreshadowed what was to come in the once and for all atoning sacrifice in Christ Jesus. Okay. So, when we talk about the house, we talk about the tabernacle. Uh, what is over the house? It is Jesus, the greater Moses. And because of his identity uh, as Jesus, what does it say right there? To hold fast to our Confession. And also, what does it say? It says, to boast in our hope. Is my hope in Moses? No. Um, is my hope, why is not my hope in Moses? Why is not my hope in Moses? Why, why isn't it? Why can't it be in Moses alone? Because he is still dead. Mm. <clears throat> he didn't even make it. Uh, to the promised land, right? Um, it was Joshua who finally got him there. Uh, but, uh, and he died because he's human, right? Uh, so when we talk about uh, believing in Moses, again, uh, for, uh, for the, the Hebrew Christians, uh, what type of confession is that to believe in Moses? And that confession would be, uh, or to, to put all your chips or to place all your trust in Moses, uh, your confession would be about him. And what about your sins? What about your eternal life? What about your, 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 your conscience and your security uh, <coughs> in your confession of faith? And, and that would be, without Christ, that would be, again, turning back uh, rather than, well, Jesus, who is our hope, right? Um, and this is our confession. Um, that's why we study the Bible, because ultimately it is about the hope of Christ, right? Um, and that is your salvation, right? As we talked about earlier, uh, uh, we are all susceptible um, as we walk in our faith to be like Israelites, because we very, we all know that very well. Now, what is the one thing that we always need to hear? We need to hear our hope. When we when we stop hearing our hope. We know what happens. And, and the, the deception is what? Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Right? My life is together. I got everything in place. Uh, I'm fine. Right? I'm, I've been good. You know, I, I have my hope. But as you go down that line, just like the Israelites, what do they do? They turn. And they rebel. And, and they go on their way. Right? And, and likewise for us, let's boast in our hope. Because if it's a false hope, there is no boasting at all. Well, there is boast. But it means... Nothing, right? Um, so this hope is uh, holding fast to our confession, which is, what? Your, your last breath in this life will be: Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God." That is your confession, right? This is I uh, don't want to be morbid to you, but for some of you who know me, <laughs> I talk about morbidity quite a bit, son of the living God, right? This is your confession right? Your confession is the certainty that he gives because Moses can't give it. Moses is pointing to Christ, the fulfillment of that certainty and assurance, and therefore your confession, as you hear God's word and study God's word, it's not, I've been a good person, and I've followed all the laws. That is a confession that people have, but does it save them? I mean, yeah, no, everyone has a confession of some kind, whether it's true or false, that's another discussion, but the point is, everyone has a confession. And the answer is, what is that confession in the hope of the all-atoning sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? And this is what we hear until the end of time, the words of Christ and what he has done for us. So, uh, very important to really uh, put that together here uh, in that connection of Moses and Jesus, um, as and, and Jesus is the greater Moses. Okay, uh, we have time for one more, I think, um, seven and eight, if someone could read that. Good. Oh, you're a fast reader. You're already done. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, remember the micro machines guy? Anyone? Oh yeah, yeah. Anyways. Um <laughs> sorry. Abe loves Transformers and uh, he's one of the voices for one of the robots. He's like, Dad, watch this. I'm like, alright. Anyways, um uh, <laughs> uh, therefore, as the Holy Spirit which he has since passed, I think, the, whole, the micro-machines guy, the voice that talks so fast. Uh, but uh, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of the testing in the wilderness. Now, this is all based on Psalm 95, but also Exodus 17 and Numbers 20. But again, this is um, uh, a reminder of uh, that caution of what happens when we turn from Jesus, that we can harden our hearts. Now, what is that rebellion? Uh, the place at Rephidim... Uh, Massa Meriba—they were uh, grumbling about, well, about water, right? Uh, and um, they were wanting to rebel against Moses yet again. We see in Numbers, uh, Numbers 20 at Kadesh Barnea. We mentioned this before. Uh, they want to rebel because they don't want to die or seemingly die against the the survey of the spies in the land of milk and honey. We can't go there. We're done now. Again. God gives them the promise of Canaan, but yet they're saying we can't get there. Again, this is uh, this is the caution uh, for the people of God uh, that they do not turn from the promise of God, because when they do turn, hardened hearts ensue. Right? And what what happens to the what what is the most damaging thing with a hardened heart? What's the most dangerous thing about a hardened heart? Anyone? What's what's the risk? Like why do we? Why do we, as a church, or even as a pastor, do I raise up the flags for them and say, "Look, this is an urgent thing. You can't go on like this further." Because well, if, you, if you harden your heart, you basically reject God. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, for a ha- person who is obstinate or stiff-necked, uh, do they see that? When you're, you know, when you get a callus, does anyone have a callus right now on their heart? Yeah, you want to see it? What? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, I, sorry, didn't want to ask, I'll never ask that again, all right? <laughs> I just said, do you have a callus? I didn't say if I wanted to see it, but, uh, uh, you know, again, with a, ca- a callus, it, it becomes so hardened that after a while you lose feeling and sensitivity to where that callus is covering probably on your hand, you know? Um, and that is with our faith. Uh, it, when, when your heart is hardened by the rebellion... Masa and Meribah, the grumbling with water, we need water. Uh, 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 the promised land, uh, giants, grasshoppers, we're done. We're not going to go there. Let's rebel against Moses. I mean, why is this so applicable to us? I mean, we might not have a moment where we're like looking at giants and grasshoppers. I mean, I know we're going through a drought here in California, but we won't, we won't start with that. But the point is, is that what, what is, how is this applicable to us? What is, are we immune to any of these attacks in this present age? No. No, right? Um, and therefore, knowing that, why is this boasting of hope and the confession that we have so important? Like, to have that... <clears throat> Sorry. Dry throat. Uh, <clears> throat. I talk all, all day. Uh, to have that bullseye. Why, why is it important <clears throat> to have that... Sorry, I'm going to some more coffee or water. Uh, but why is that important to... I feel like it's an anchor, you know? Like it, it can anchor you into your faith and, uh, and to understand that uh, the Lord is with you uh, and loves you and has a plan for you. And if you start letting go of that anchor, then you kind of end up in a drifting <coughs> sea of danger and chaos and, and, <coughs> and, um, and, and too many worldly cares. You know? So you need to hold fast to your anchor of Christ and, and uh, so, your faith. So good. And again, what is what is the spiritual um, tension or the attack that is? Who is who is who is the devil, right? Uh, and when we talk about no one is immune, uh, why is that word so important to hear? Why do I always harp? That it's so important to hear God's word and study. Why do we? Is it just out of deed that we're doing this because it's a work? why? Why, why is it so important to hear the word of God in light of what we're talking about? Being about heart and hearts of rebellion and the tension that we all face. Like if we're really honest with ourselves, what did we say earlier? What did we say earlier? I think we. What? what I know Nancy said something <laughs> that was relevant uh, about something. Really? Yeah, yeah, something like that, I think. But um, just imagine being my, uh, you know, my wife always something. Didn't I already told you that? Don't you remember? I'm like, I don't remember anything. Anyways, um, <laughs> maybe that's a <laughs> good answer. Uh, but but we become desensitized uh, as we get hardened. Our, our hearts do, and and what what is always the culprit or what is always the core of that problem is. The word being torn from us. Does that... You, that's where the hardened heart starts, without the word of God. And that's why it's so important that everyone comes to church to hear that very word. The boast in hope is Jesus. Okay, now I'm getting preachy here with my preachy voice. But we see that the, the hold, holding fast to the confession, this is all kept together by that very word of God that you hear and study, and that's Jesus, right? That's our confession. We're not saying 10 ways to be a better Christian or 10 ways to ensure yourself that you have eternal life, right? No, our, our confession as a church is Jesus and what he has done for you, right? And, and that is our boasting Ho! in the midst of the spiritual attacks that we face. hardened hearts, no one is immune. Trust me, no one is. We're all walking on this wilderness wandering, and our eyes are always pointed to Christ. How do we know? By the word that is preached, the word that is studied, and there by the Holy Spirit, he sustains us on this journey. When we stop hearing God's word, studying God's word, you might say, I already know it all. Right? I always hear that. Like, I already know this. I don't need to hear it again. But then if you know who you are in the mirror, well, you flee to that very word time and time again. Right? This, again, this is, church isn't just a building we go to it's the word of God preached to give you life and sustenance. That's what's happening as you hear the word. So um, the next time I call you and say, oh, have you been? <laughs> um, I'm not saying you have to go to church because that's the Christian thing to do. And if you don't go to church, you know, it, no, you, you got to hear God's word because I know the flesh myself and that hardened heart can callous up very quick. The word of God is what? Points us to our hope, and that's Jesus. All right, kids are running. Let's pray. The, oh yes, kind of, yes. Regarding Jesus as slave, I found a little answer for myself in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane when. Um, Good. When Christ is praying, and he says, "Remove this cup from me." Yet, what? Not what I will. Yeah. But what you will. Yeah. Connected yeah. to the Father. And that's that close relationship. That even Moses, he had a close relationship with God, but not not like Jesus, of course, right? Jesus is God. So anyways, why don't we close? Thank you for that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for, uh, for our Lord, who is our boast and our hope and our confession. Bless us, O Lord, and only Christ, and through all things. Grant us faith in the midst of the journey uh, of our own wilderness wandering. Lead us and guide us always by your word. And by your spirit continue to point us to our salvation in Christ alone. Bless us this week. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmorepark.com.